You're listening to a curated podcast from the Beyond Infinity radio program broadcast live on Tuesdays from 11am from our Mornington studios in Victoria, Australia. Listen live on 98.7 or 98.3 FM or stream live from rwpfm.com.au. Presented by me, Piers Cunningham. And me, John Young. Okay, so we've got Simon Mulvaney. He's involved with Save the Bees and Be the Cure. Simon, great to have you back. Simon's been on before. He's talked to us about the need for healthy bee populations around the world and some of the issues that have arisen with inaccurate descriptions of where honey is made and some you know, slightly weaselly words that have been used to describe the countries of origin and actual labelling that appears in supermarkets if you're buying honey. And he's actually been involved in a legal dispute with Capilano, which is a big ASX-listed public company that uh, has quite a, a prominent position in the market in Australia and around the world. And he's got some really pretty interesting thoughts about where all this is leading. So have a look on our website if you want to see the stuff that's been previously done with Simon. Under interviews, you'll find all Simon's stuff. You can also go to Simon's website, which is... BeTheCure.com. Save the Bees Australia yep. on Instagram yep. and Facebook. Okay, yep. those are the I social should. media links if you want them. We have done some interviews where we've backgrounded this stuff, but I, I ran into Simon recently. He said he had a few things to update us about. One is the ongoing dispute with Capilano and also some interesting news from New Zealand about a battle over the use of the name Manuka. Let's just go through this point by point. Give us an update on the, on the story with Capilano, honey, please. Well, yeah, it has been going on for some time, and I think a few people would be quite sick of the story. Mm. Um, What I saw the litigation as was basically trying to silence me on getting information out there that Capilano were, in fact, one of the major importers of honey in Australia, and under their subsidiary brands, they were selling um, mixed honeys, and that is Australian honey blended with other honey with a really small percentage of Australian honey in it. Right. And that was, that honey was being exported overseas too, which was really affecting Australia's reputation as a producer. And when it was exported, was it described as Australian honey or Australian with, with uh, overseas input? How was it actually uh, described? Uh, the, the images I've been sent back to me from overseas consumers, mm. it just says product of Australia. Really? So it's not in Australia, if you read the label, it will say from local and imported ingredients. Mm-hmm. And recently, um, Capilano and other brands have been um, updating their labels. And there was one I wrote a story about on the weekend, an Aldi honey. And it was Australian certified organic, packed in Australia, had Australia written on the label. And then in the amount of Australian in there was less than 10% Australian honey. Hmm. Um, this also comes at a time when two years consecutively the Australian wholesale honey price has gone down. Right. And, um, and for us to maintain a good beekeeping industry, we're going to have to pay our beekeepers well. And um, the excuse Capilano gave in a recent letter was the amount of the global honey price um, dropping, and that's why they had to drop their price. Mm-hmm. But in New Zealand, where they don't accept imported honey, right. their price is rising dramatically. Right. So we can learn a, a hell of a lot from the New Zealand industry. And while on the subject of New Zealand, you um, you actually were saying to me uh, off air that New Zealand have recently won a legal battle over the use of the name Manuka. So only New Zealand is allowed to describe its honey as Manuka honey? Yeah, so it's, it's not going to be described from the variety of flower anymore. 
mm-hmm. or the activity of, of the honey, but from the region. Right. So, I so think Manuka is a part of New Zealand, which is big for... Well, for the, the, the judge considered it a Maori word. Right. So said that New Zealand had done the work in the marketing and the research in the early days, so mm-hmm. they deserve to use that term. Mm-hmm. But in saying that, and it's probably a bit embarrassing as an Australian... For our industry, we have got a lot more powerful medicinal honeys than New Zealand. We've actually got 83 more varieties of flowers that have that power. So the challenge for Australia is really to market its honey. And um, and we could even market it as superior than New Zealand Manuka. Mm-hmm. Hats off to New Zealand and the New Zealand beekeeping industry mm. for the way they've been able to lift their honey price and protect their own bees over there. Yep. The other thing in New Zealand, they have got varroa mite. We haven't got varroa mite yet, um, okay. which is decimating sort of bee populations around the world. Most of the honey in the world has traces of miticide in it which is the chemical they're treating their hives with to cope with the varroa. Right. We don't have that here. Right. So our honey is some of the pristine, most pristine honey in the world. Beekeepers should be paid for that quality. Yeah. A, a little bit of background before we go on with the specifics of this and Capilano. Your background, and I'm just going to recap very briefly, but we're on the Mornington Peninsula down here. In fact, we broadcast from Mornington there's a lot of bees. I mean, I've seen bees over the back fence and basically people were getting exterminators in just to get rid of the bees and, and you saw this happening and you decided that you were going to go around instead of having, getting rid of these bees, you're going to go and pick them up, transport them back to your place, look after them and then find people who wanted to be beekeepers or preserve the native varieties because is it true that the Mornington Peninsula has a very high diversity of bees like some of the highest in, in Australia? Diversity is a funny thing genetic pool I think it'd have a really great genetic pool because mm-hmm. there's been so many beekeepers from different countries set up hives along the time mm-hmm. there's a hell of a lot of feral colonies in chimneys and yep and walls in walls and um, people use them to heat yeah. houses don't they like leave them in the wall and they'll heat your house a, a few people have said they've had been happy with the bees there for 10 years or so mm. warming the house mm. but um have been selling up and have to get rid of them and right. it's quite a process getting them out of a wall of a house but quite often in swarming season they're just hanging off a branch and you can shake them into a box and right and move them on so when is swarming season that's just been so it's it's springtime yep so sort of around just two weeks before melbourne cup around that time okay and um and this year was a amazing season. I don't around here. If you were driving around, you'd notice white flowers everywhere. That was the tea tree. Mm. It was a, a magnificent bloom. And and swarms a sign of bee health, mm-hmm. and also a sign that the days are getting longer. Yep. So the swarming season would be sort of early November, I guess. Yep. And that's when bees get on the move when they look to establish new colonies find new territories, go out and find, you know, new blossoms. and Well, it, it's the way they plants. reproduce. So yeah. it's it's sort of like a hive having a baby. Right. And it probably is the keystone to natural beekeeping. Mm-hmm. But in saying that, in urban areas, it can become an issue. Mm. It, it is a legal requirement as a beekeeper to do some type of swarm control. Right, so and that you don't affect your neighbours or the area that you live in. Yeah, yep. so you can artificially make a swarm by splitting the colony in two. Right. And then adding a queen yourself. Right. That's what most beekeepers do. Okay. Simon's got a real passion for bees and he's become pretty knowledgeable. His website, uh, Be The Cure, has become a pretty well-known uh, website around the world among people who are interested in preserving bee populations because there have been some issues. And one of the reasons why it's kind of a touchy uh, issue about where the, the country of origin is and how much is 
sourced from overseas, for example, China, and how much is actually local, is because there are some pretty nasty diseases that have threatened uh, bee populations. And I believe in in, uh, in China, they were even hand-pollinating almond trees at, at one point because the bee populations weren't doing that. Yes, and, and the science community takes a strange angle at this and they're even making drones that can do the pollination rather really? than right. bees and like looking tiny mini ones sort of is subscribing that they will collapse and in the end these chemicals may wipe out the bees completely and you said the word it's 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 nicotinamides or something neonicotinoids yep and and they actually are from the neonicotine plant so they're sort of the cigarettes of of the planet really this right chemical and hmm. um, most widely used um, insecticide in the world hmm. and you can get it down at your local supermarket as Comfortor. they're banded in europe but in in australia you can get it from bunnings and woolworths and white concentrate you add it with water and if you get your sort of uh leaf problems and certain plants getting affected by it then you spray it and it can be quite effective but it sounds like it has it's some pretty extremely bad side effects. effective because yep. the plant becomes toxic itself so if anything bites into the plant it will die but mm-hmm. for a bee getting nectar or pollen it takes it back to the hive and these are really sort of scary chemicals in the fact that they'll work away at at the whole colony and eventually slowly weaken it off Mm. with the aim of getting to the queen Mm. so these chemicals are used for termites too obviously and if we want bees we 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 really got to find a way of getting rid of these neonicotinoids using comfortor which i mean i hate to admit it but i have used it myself when i've had sort of plants that have got problems disease and so on and i've used a a white liquid that comes in a very small tube and you use it very sparingly it's like a couple of drops you know in a liter or two of water and then you spray it on to the affected areas are there alternatives to using comfortable which are as effective or you know that will do the same sort of thing you've sort of got to see what the pest is Mm -hmm. and so there's there's it's comfortable is very general use, isn't it, from what you've just said? It's a very widely... Can be applied it is, in and I situations. think they, they even use it with dogs and... Um, really? Yeah, like a couple of drops and um, it's systemic. So it goes into your skin, it goes into mammal skin. Hmm. So look, it, it, you've really got to think from a huge, a broad perspective what these chemicals are doing because if we're killing all these insects, then what are the birds going to eat? What are the bats going to eat? Yep. So what's going to pollinate by, pl- flowers and plants and crops? Yeah. Um, but so there are solutions like for aphids, it's simple as so- soapy water. For um, cabbage moth, you just put a, um, and that's that white butterfly you get eating your um, broccoli and your cabbages time of year. You might put a net over, you know, your veggies. Mm. But there's always a solution there. Thanks for listening. And head to beyondinfinity.com.au for the best bits from the live show or to connect with us on social media. We welcome your feedback and suggestion for future shows.